From sprains to fractures, get expert care quickly at the University of Kansas Health System. Walk-in orthopedic care is open weekdays, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturdays, 8 to 2 at I-435 and Null. Learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash orthopedics. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHP. Stephen St. John and Nate Bucati with Jake Gutierrez. Now joined by our good friend, who on Saturday night when I was uh, watching my son play in his uh, in the bandies in Dola White, I was looking. I looked up at the uh, television screen, and I was also watching Mike DeCourcy in studio in the uh, Big Ten Network. And so I was like, "Hey, everybody! I know that guy. He comes on my show. How you doing, Mike?" I'm well, Stephen. How are you? You know what I'm doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Uh, got a lot to talk about, and so we're going to throw you a curveball here, and actually I'm going to ask you about Mizzou basketball because we haven't had too many reasons to ask you about this. But tonight they host number 5 Tennessee, and Mizzou right now is 8-17, and 0-12 in the SEC. Uh, and... Uh, you know, look, Dennis Gates, at this time last year, we were talking about what a great hire it was by Desiree Reed Francois, and uh, couldn't believe he was on his way to taking Mizzou to the tournament, and they got their first tournament win in a long, long time. And now, you know, I think some people expected a step back, but nothing like this. Uh, but now the AD that hired him is leaving for Arizona. And so, and look, I'm not saying this job's in jeopardy or anything after one bad year, but that does change the dynamic a little bit. The the AD that brought you in is is gone, and they're going to bring someone else in. I'm just curious what what your thoughts are on this unbelievable turnaround, the wrong way, going from 25 wins in your first year and winning a tournament game to now having a legitimate opportunity of going winless in the conference. Yeah, I, it's hard for me to understand totally because uh, I watched them early in the year. I watched them come back from a huge deficit at Minnesota uh, and, and win the game, and I was on the road. And then I was in the audience uh, in the press box for their game at Pitt, and they controlled that game pretty much the entire way. So I didn't see a team when I was watching them that was going to make the tournament or anything like that, but I thought I saw it a reasonably capable team that could win, I don't know, a half dozen SEC games, something like that. Uh, obviously, the SEC is a very strong league this year. We have had basically around eight or nine SEC teams making our field at Fox Sports, at CBB on Fox. Uh, so uh, we, we, we're, we've been in that situation for most of the last month or, or more. So it's not an easy place to play. And, and then you see performances like Saturdays where they were they were on the road against a team that is in the field, uh, you know, the projected field, I guess I should say. Uh, and and they and they had them, and, and they did let it get away. But it's hard to believe that that team can't find a win anywhere, especially at one at home. Some of that may be the relative strength of the home schedule. A lot of the teams that have been in there, South Carolina, Florida, teams like that uh, have been, uh, Texas A&M have been field teams. 
Uh, they haven't had the blessing of a Vandy at home, uh, for instance. Uh, but they also had Arkansas at home and, and, and couldn't get it done there. So it is a surprise that they haven't been able to get anything done. But am I, you know, I, I just, I, I, honestly, Stephen, this is the time of year when I should be exhausted from doing three different jobs, basically. But it's not what exhausts me. What exhausts me is every coach that's losing has to be fired. And I'm not blaming you for that. I'm just, I, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not blaming you for asking um, but I, I see it in Indiana right now because they're not very good. I mean, he's, who's in the tournament the first two years, and now they're not, so now we got to make a change? Uh, I just don't understand it. It's like, don't we have any better ideas than that? Like, like maybe they need to fix this, or maybe he needs a better assistant coach, or uh, maybe, they, you know, maybe they just need to spend more money in the portal now with the way things are. Or whatever it is, but it seems like that's the only idea that sports fans have is if they don't get exactly what they want from a season, then they have to fire their coach. I, I, it, I, it doesn't work. Uh, I'm not saying it never works to change coaches, but I'm saying that if you constantly change coaches, that doesn't work. Now he's got a, a great recruiting class, at least on paper coming in. And uh, the only reason I brought it up is, you know, the fact that the AD is leaving unexpectedly that hired him and so you don't have that at least right. that that you don't have that security of knowing well this person believes in me they hired me and so they you know may you know give me the support i need now now you're stepping into an unknown because you don't know who your boss is going to be now yeah I, I i understand that and again i'm not blaming you for bringing it up because of that um you know, I, I, you never know because the next boss could be like the, the, the smartest person and know exactly what Dennis is capable of and be able to look at, okay, this is what he did at Cleveland State and this is what he did when he walked in the door at Mizzou and everything went pretty wrong in the second year for whatever reason. But that doesn't mean that Dennis became a less capable coach or less intelligent. Uh, this is sports. Uh, one bad break uh, can lead to 20. That's how it works. And in college sports now, everything's a little different, and it's not as easy to navigate. And, again, you make some bad decisions or some guys don't turn out the way you expected, and you wind up with a lesser team than possible. Or uh, maybe there were some guys that you could have gotten if you'd had – you know, another dime of uh, NIL money, something like that. I mean, I'm not saying that's what happened here. I'm just saying there are so many more variables now. And all the coaches are navigating that. And so the swings are going to be wilder. That's going to happen, and it's happening. Arkansas is another example. Um, The swings are going to be much wilder than they ever were. And so everybody's got to be more patient with that. If you're not patient, you're go- you're just going to end up being frustrated, and you're going to end up making mistakes. Uh, I-, I can tell you right now that I don't have any doubt that Dennis is a really terrific coach. Uh, I I think he's absolutely he was absolutely a great hire, and I expect that it'll be fine. Uh, I can't promise that because there, are, like I said, there are just so many variables that go beyond what it used to be. Having the right connections, uh, being a good scout. Uh, being able to, you know, sell, uh, for lack of a better term. I mean, I think that's, you know, when, when you talk about some of the great coaches and why they're successful. And John Calipari is maybe the greatest salesperson I've ever met. 
and that and, and there were lots of things he did really well, but that was the number one. He was the best salesperson ever, uh, and and so that's part of why they, he's been successful at three, four different stops because it began with that, be, with having a vision and being able to sell it. And salesmanship still matters, but it's not everything anymore. Yeah, and, and and to be fair, the the two. Uh, two of the guys that he was counting on via the transfer portal, uh, two of the most experienced, productive players, Caleb Grill and John Tanji, barely played because of injury. And so, you know, if, if those two guys aren't hurt, then are they a tournament team? No, but they're they're probably closer to what you said, winning five or six you know, games in the conference, and it's a more reasonable step back. So that's that's just bad luck when you're the, the two top yeah, guys out of the transfer portal. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, Grill got thrown out of the uh, Minnesota comeback, and their comeback began after that. But he was an important player in the pit game. Uh, they, he was he, he was a he was a very essential player to to that success that night. And those are two teams right now that neither of them is in you know in my field, but both are fighting to be relevant and playing some good basketball. Minnesota beat Rutgers on Saturday. Uh, Pitts won at Virginia and at Duke. Uh, so, I mean, those are solid teams that Mizzou was able to take out early on. That's why I said that I thought reasonably that that, that a half dozen league wins in this particular, particularly strong SEC would have been a reasonable, reasonable target. And, and, and I will tell you, I've said this a lot, um, especially over the past few years, but it's even more true now that teams have, uh, the talent has been spread more widely because players are less apt to sit behind uh, another player if they can go start immediately somewhere else. Teams are thin now. And if you get one injury, it, it, or, it, or two in this case, it, it really changes who you are. Uh, we saw when Kansas went to Texas Tech, they had one injury. Now he's a great player, don't get me wrong. They have one injury, and they lost by 100. Um, so it, it does happen that it changes you. And I, I you know, I I thought Caleb played really well that in that pit game and was and was you know a very difficult uh, player for the Panthers to defend. And whether that's the whole reason, I don't know. Uh, but I just I just knew do know that the variables are so much different now that everybody needs to take a breath as we navigate through at least the first couple of years before we figure out what the new normal is and then make decisions from there. So uh, my final question on this, and I'm not. It was somewhat related because all Missouri fans are watching him very closely, and he's a he's a he's a great friend of the show. He used to come on uh, this show when he was a player, an assistant coach, and now head coach. Kim English in his first year of Providence. How, how, what are your thoughts on how he's done? Seventeen and nine right now, eight and seven in the conference in fifth place. Um, no matter if he ends up at Missouri someday or not, all Missouri fans want to see him do well. Uh, what, 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 what is he? How would you say he's done so far in his first year of Providence? Oh, I think he's done really well. He was he was now he was left a very good team uh, at Providence at Providence uh, by Ed Cooley. Uh, that, that that was the start. That he and that's part of the reason I'm sure that he took the job because he knew that he didn't have to completely rebuild and go through a lot of losing. I'm sure that was uh, part of the appeal of the job initially. Um, he was left Devin Carter and Bryce Hopkins, two two of two players who were go- clearly going to be 
among the six or seven best in the Big East. And and Devin Carter has been absolutely that, if not one of the two or three best players in the Big East. And Bryce Hopkins was until he got hurt nine games ago. And But even after that injury, even after losing Bryce Hopkins, who was, uh, I believe at the time, Providence's leading returning scorer, uh, over the, they, they, they took a few hits immediately, but they've won six games since he went down. Um, and so they're six and three without, like I said, maybe, maybe the fifth or sixth best player in the Big East. So he's done an amazing job of navigating exactly the territory that we just talked about. Uh, very impressive to be able to do that, to go six and three without, without a, a, a basically a 18.8 rebound guy. Uh, ballpark. I don't think those numbers are exact, but that's what he is. Uh, to be able to do that, uh, that's that's very impressive. Kim is one of the most. I, I, I got uh, fortunate. Um, uh, Fox asked me at the Final Four last year. Fox uh, Fox Sports and FS1 has a obviously a very long-standing relationship with the Big East. So um, they invited me to dinner, and they invited Kim. And so I got, and I've known Kim since he was a player, and he he always has stood out as a as a remarkable personality. And but I got to spend that dinner with him and listening to him talk about his vision and all that. And you just, I I walked away from that dinner knowing that he was going to be successful at Providence and wherever he might go beyond that. And I know Providence people are still mad about Ed Cooley leaving, so they don't want to hear about Kim going anywhere else. Uh, but the odds are good that, uh, and to me, I, I, I've always looked at it like if you're in a place like Providence or Xavier or whatever, you don't ever worry about losing a coach because he did too well. You worry about having to fire a coach because he didn't do well enough. That's what you don't want to have to do. And for Xavier, they've, they've changed coaches on the downside once in the past 25 years. And every other one of their coaches, from Pete Gillen on through Chris Mack, uh, left because they got a better job. But Xavier stayed great all that time. So I don't think Providence should worry about about Kim leaving. I think they should want him, in a way, to leave because it meant that along the way Providence made a bunch of tournaments and maybe won some games while they were there. All right, Mike, let's uh, let's transition over. Boy, Stephen's got a big old smile on his face when you talk about Kim English. I just want you to know that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you um, guys know he's a special dude. Yeah, yeah, he's we we've, he's been great. Anytime we've we've talked to him for years. Uh, hey, let's move over to the Kansas side of things for a minute. They got a, a big win on the road. Finally, um, they really had struggled away from Allen Fieldhouse, and they were down twelve at one point against Oklahoma. And I, I texted my buddies, "Is this the worst Bill Self road team ever?" And it seems like yeah. It's not even close, but they came back and they won the game by 10. How big of a moment is that for Kansas basketball this season to get that win at Oklahoma? Oh, it was huge because it was it was trending toward, like, they can't win on the road against a quality team. Like, when they were down at the half and they were down in the second half, and they were down at the half by five, I, I believe the lead got into, or the deficit, I should say, got into double digits in the second half. And at that point, you're thinking, this is not they're, not, they're not ever gonna beat a quality road team. And there aren't very many teams in the Big 12 that aren't good at home. Um, and they've actually lost to some of the ones that are just okay. I mean, they already lost to West Virginia and UCF down at the very bottom of the league. So if you can't beat those guys and you can't get Oklahoma, which is 
probably the in in many ways the weakest of the good teams in the league. Uh, maybe maybe BYU fights them for that. Uh, they, if they couldn't get that, what could they get? And so it, the comeback, the turning turning that around, I you, you, it was about what an hour or two from the committee saying that Kansas was a two seed. Uh, so if they had lost that game, that w- they, their, their hold on that would have been pretty tenuous. It was just it, it just would have depended on if somebody on the three line had started to you know show some ability to climb. So that it, it, it did a lot for them it, because it, you, you'd, ra- you'd, you'd you'd much rather be on the two line than the three line. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, it changes who you play in the second round. It changes. Uh, play, it changes who you play in, in you know, obviously in the first round as well. But I mean, like consequentially, uh, when second round and beyond, uh, it really makes a difference, and it also can make a difference to locale. I, I don't know that that Kansas is going to get to be where it wants to be as long as Houston continues to play as it has. Uh, you know, even last night, uh, Iowa State went in there and, and couldn't get anything going. Um, so I don't know whether KU is going to be able to end up in the South region, but uh, they, 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 if they if they lose a game like that Oklahoma game, then the possibility that that they ever get there would be close to nil. So after the game, Bill Self said, "You know, everybody's got a theory on why we've struggled on the road, and basically the biggest two reasons are we've been fatigued and we've been injured. Uh, and he feels like this yeah. is that week where they don't have to play a game." During the week, and then they get this home, this stretch where they've got Texas and BYU at home, at Baylor, then K State at home. They need to run the table and hope that Houston loses at Baylor to make that last game of the season at Houston count for a chance to win the Big Twelve, at least a share of the Big Twelve. How do you believe that? With Bill Self saying, like, does this week of rest put them in a position where they can do that? Can they win these four games if they're healthy and rested? Getting to that, and then we'll, we'll worry about Houston when it gets there. But can they even get to that point? In your opinion, the way if, if they're a little bit more healthy and rested? Well, I think they have a chance at it. I mean, obviously, the the one that in that stretch that appears most challenging would be at Baylor. Baylor has been. Like most of the teams in this conference, very good at home. Uh, they're a capable team. They're very young uh, in a lot of instances, uh, but they're very talented. So it, it would be a real challenge. But they certainly, certainly, Kansas can win. If you can win any of those games, you can win all of them. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, ha- you have to win each one one at a time. But there's no game in there that you look at and say, "Oh man, that's going to be tough." Now the one at at the end, you look at that and say exactly what I just said. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really challenging. And part of it is, I, if you watch the Iowa State game last night, I mean, they, they, the refs allowed a lot to go on in that game. Yeah. Um, now, they, 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 it was interesting because uh, officials have been very good this year about, about enforcing the, cha- the change in the charge definition. So they're not letting you uh, jump in front of players uh, who are advancing the basketball. That that that's become it's become almost impossible to get a charge call. Um, and I've seen a few over the last few weeks that I'd say even me, you know, the guy who loathes charging about as much as anybody. Um, even I had some thoughts that could have been a charge uh, on a particular play here or there. But that wasn't what was going on last night. That was it was just. I mean, bumping cutters, bumping drivers, that sort of thing. 
There was a lot of that. I, I saw one guy get low bridged, and even even Fran was on there saying he's. I think he said it three times, and he's like the, you know, he's he he has always been very kind to officials in doing his analysis. Even he said like three times that that was a foul, uh, and but it was it was allowed to be played very physically. I don't know whether Houston is going to have that advantage when they get to March. And I don't, you know, that'll be interesting to see whether they have that advantage playing at home against the, you know, a two-time champion and the Kansas brand and all of that. Uh, it also makes the game not very attractive to watch. I mean, two really good teams last night, and it wasn't fun to watch, right, guys? I mean, yeah. it was not beautiful basketball. So I, I don't know whether they'll, when they go down to Houston, whether they'll get the same whistle that Iowa State got last night. I would say that if they do, it's going to be hard to win. Uh, not because they're not tough guys, but because they've only got five of them. Yeah, and they'll get they will get worn down if they're if the game is played as if it were the Super Bowl, the physical Super Bowl, not the literal Super <laughs> yeah. Bowl of the not the uh, you know not the figurative Super Bowl of the uh, big of the Big Twelve. So uh, yeah, as I just kind of hope to see that game matter. You know, for that would be great if Kansas yeah. can get there. We'll see. Last question: um, Kansas State they've suffered back to back kind of heartbreaking losses, and and now they find themselves five and eight in Big Twelve play. Uh, what does this do to their resume? How important is the rest of the season for them? Yeah, I, I mean, they've got BYU at home, then West Virginia at Cincinnati, at Kansas, Iowa State at home. you got to win all but the Kansas game uh, uh, to, to feel like you're in position. And I, uh, that's that's where they are right now because two, three of those are at home, um, and so you have to win your home games at this stage. And then the Cincinnati road trip is important because it would be a high-quality win and it would be a uh, it would damage uh, your competition because Cincinnati is in the same is around the same neighborhood. They're a little they're a little better house right now than K State is, but they're around the same neighborhood. K State is probably going to be out of my uh, next four, but they're they're in the they're in that ballpark. And if you did what I just described, winning four out of those five, uh, you'd be right back in to either. Uh, like knocking on the door or in the field, uh, it's. It, I know. I know what I said is not easy to do. But again, uh, you have to win home games, and and you you've got that Cincinnati game, which would be certainly a team a team that you're capable of beating. In a, in a, it would be a tough environment, but um, I think it's an easier ask than asking them to to uh, bust over to Allen and win there. All right, Mike, as always, uh, great talking basketball with you. Thank you so much for the time, and we will chat with you next week. My pleasure, my pleasure, guys. Be well. Thanks. Thank you. That is uh, Mike DeCourcy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Great. You sound great. You look great. You got a real smart ass sitting over here, don't we? <laughs> sound like a hundred bucks, man. Neither of those statements are true. Well, you look great in my eyes. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I know what this is. <laughs> I get it. No, nah, man, you're you're a handsome man. I haven't shaved my head in a month. Yeah, that could probably use a little trim. You know, uh, Did you have headphones on. I wouldn't really. I'm, at that. I'm grow it out, man. I'm seeing what I got. Okay. Here's what, I got. Here's what yeah. we got. I got a lot on the sides. I got a lot in the back. Nothing. Nothing. That's all right. 
Yeah, well, a little bit up there. You got some. You got well, I've been, I'm there. trying to see because I haven't. I haven't grown my hair out long enough to see to see what's there. Yeah. In a long time. See what's but there. Now, it's it's we're at decision time because I've got several events that I must host mm. coming up, starting in uh, two weeks. And so I was hoping maybe there'd be something. I don't know. Something because some of these things you can't wear a hat. But I don't, I don't know. What do you think, Jake? They say when you, you you consistently shave your head, your hair grows back thicker. That's incorrect. I, so. I don't know. <laughs> I, heard, I, heard McConaughey, I heard McConaughey talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, I've heard here's, that here's wives' thing. tale as well. Right. I am the living proof that Trust no. me, I tried that like crazy to start growing facial hair in high yeah. school. <laughs> Maybe I just keep shaving. <laughs> I can grow hair everywhere else except for this. Just right. This spot right here. So. Isn't, isn't uh, Mother Nature fun in that way? Embrace it. I got all kinds of hairs growing out of my I'm ears these to. days. Yeah. You know, didn't. the girls are fascinated by it because they've never seen anything like this. Mm. They didn't know I could grow hair anywhere on, t- on top of my yeah. head. Right. You know, I'm like a freak to them. Like, <laughs> Look, he's got real hair. Like, what kind of hair do you think of? Bubblegum or what? <laughs> you think I'm a chia pet? Yeah. I got, there's hair here, you know? So. We'll take a break, I still man. think you look good, man. Yeah, that's fine. <clears throat> I can't. I, the, the, now that you told me with the Frank Pinton, yeah, I got his hair. You know, <laughs> see, I've only seen Godfather two one time, so I need to. I, I don't remember Ooh, all the characters. It's, so good. it's great. Yeah. It was. It was very, very uh, good. Very good. I mean, obviously, I haven't seen part three because you guys, you guys both admonished me for not having seen Godfather one and two. Right. So I made sure to do that years ago just to tie things up. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you yeah. know, it's, just, it's it's it is what it is. I mean, it's fine. It's not great, right? It's just it's the third part. <laughs> it's, 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 At some point, we got to address the finale from yes, True Detective. I've been waiting. People are arguing. I, mean, I, I can't believe how many people. Oh, this is terrible! It's one of the worst. Oh, I thought it was great. Like, what are you, I mean, do we have to complain about everything? Yeah. Oh, oh, how about yes. this? For six Sundays, I was thoroughly entertained. And I was provided with a tremendous amount of nightmare fuel. How about that? Well, I, I thought it was. I, I felt robbed that we didn't get eight. Wow! I wanted eight. Jake wanted eight. We'll take a break. Never enough for Jake, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. If you, you got eight, what? how many would we want? Well, how come we didn't get well, twelve? No, I'm just saying that the first three seasons, I got you. you got eight. And I we only got you. six this year. I get it. So I, you know, I get where you're coming from. I thought it was that good that I wanted two more. She is awake. <laughs> Annie K, baby. That's right. We will uh, take a break back after this on WHP. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHP. Do we have Gabe DeArmond from com? Hello, Gabe. How are you? Not bad. What's up, Stephen? No? Anything up with you? Uh, not yet, but it's only 737. So, right. You know, let's give it a few minutes. Let's see what Pete Thamel decides to tweet today. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly right. You're just going to be hitting refresh all morning, aren't you? I, well, it, it's it, it's a it's a tough choice. Like smart th- smart people say, you got to put Pete Thamel on on Twitter alerts. But man, that dude tweets a lot, and I don't care about most of it. Right. So that's why. You know? <laughs> that's right. <clears throat> so I spent I spent a few minutes uh, in the in the opening segment just giving my thoughts. Having, you know, talked to a number of different people, and I'm sure we've talked to some of the same people. Um, but there, there's, it, it's it's a very 
interesting story about Desiree, Desiree Reed Francois leaving and going to Arizona. Um, and so there, there's a couple of layers here that I wanted to just to talk to you about and, and bounce off of you and then get your thoughts. Number one, and I know that, that you put this out there, the the story that that hit a couple of weeks ago about the um, board of curators creating uh, the Mizzou Intercollegiate Athletic Special Committee that uh, oversight will range from finances to progress of athletic facilities, renovations to name, image, and likeness compensation in the future of the NCAA. I think that's significant in this story. And also uh, the relationship between her and, and Eli Drinkwitz because I think most people, and you can tell me how wrong this is, uh, and at least some people that I've talked to suggest that when he got that extension after the South Carolina win, not last season, but the season before, right. that, that maybe she wasn't ready for that, and, and the board of curators were. And, and Eli Drinkwitz is, has great relationships with the board of curators, and, and maybe she didn't. And so that just created an interesting dynamic considering the type of season he just had. Um, it's just it's it's a it's a little bizarre and convoluted. So, just wanted to throw those two things out there and just kind of give me your your thoughts on on why this happened and the significance of of the timing of it and and where we are now. Yeah, I mean, I wrote yesterday and I've had conversations since, and I can't find anybody that disagrees with me. Yesterday really started four years ago when Jim Sterk wanted to hire Blake Anderson or. Skip Holtz, you know, he brought uh, three candidates to the board of curators. The board of curators said those people aren't good enough. Go find somebody better. Uh, somebody found Eli Drinkwitz. I don't know who it was, whether it was Stark, whether it was a curator, whatever. But somebody found Drink, and he came in and he recruited like a house on fire for a couple years. And the curators have always viewed him. This is a phrase I've been told over and over. He's their coach. They hired him. That's, they found him. That's their guy, you know. And so he obviously, hey, that's a, that's a really good situation for a football coach to have the, the board that oversees the entire university on your in your corner. And he did a really good job with the name, image, and likeness stuff and obviously worked with the curators on that. And, and I don't want to cut Desiree out of this. I'm sure she had uh, plenty to do with it as well. But, you know, Eli has really been the driving force behind what Missouri's done in NIL. And that extension you mentioned, like, I, I reported immediately, like, that week. I said, guys, this was curator-driven. And by that, I mean, they were the ones that did this. This would not have gotten done if the AD had the choice. The The extension would not have been done at that point in time. Now, whether that means just, hey, she wasn't ready to extend him, or whether that means she didn't want to extend him because she wanted to fire him soon, I don't know that. I, I, I don't have any idea. But that was a curator-driven deal. And so when that happened, there was kind of a, all right, some lines have been drawn here. <laughs> and then Eli goes out and did what he does what he did this year, and, hey, Every, they've been right about it. Now, you can argue with the process of getting there, and I certainly would. I don't think it was a great look the way they handled things back when he was hired, um, you know, because I've, I'm always a big believer that you hire the AD, 
to do his job and to hire the coaches or her job and hire the coaches. And if you don't trust that person to do that, then they shouldn't be the AD. And you should – so I, I thought Jim Sturt probably should have just been – they should have just cut ties right then and said, we don't trust you to hire the coach. You know, but whatever. The process was messed up, but the end result you can't argue with. Missouri just went 11-2 and and finished number seven in the country. And um, so I think there are relationships and wounds that have not been healed from that in in November of, or October, whenever it was, of, of 2022. I think that was a contributing factor. I think there have been other things along the way, some of these facility plans, what did and did not get approved and announced and pushed through. And then, like you said, that oversight committee, and, and I will fully admit, when that came out, I had a couple of people ask me, like, Hey, what the hell is this? Is this a problem? And I looked at it and I said, people com- create committees all the time. I don't, I don't really think this is anything other than a chance for, you know, some curators to, to either be or appear a little bit more involved. I, I don't really think this is that big a deal. And I, look, I was wrong about that. I think, I, I don't think that's the reason she is leaving, but I think it was kind of the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. I, I think she looked at that and said, Look, I, I, I'm a figurehead here. I don't have I don't have power, and I don't have the support of the people that I need to have the support of. So if something comes along I, that is close to as good or in the same neighborhood, whatever, I probably better take it because I don't think she was in danger of getting fired here. But I think she saw probably the way things were going and, and knew at some point they'll find a reason if they want to. There's there's no man. Uh, more powerful in a state than the head coach of a successful college football program, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, we we you know, and and we've seen it. At, I referenced the Al Bull crush like a dove speech after his uh, his failed power struggle with Roy Williams. I mean, these these things are not new uh, theories, are they? Um, so, what next? I mean, like what what uh, what happens next for Missouri? Yeah, I, I think – I mean, there's two names for me that immediately are at the top of the list uh, because they were in the running when Missouri hired Desiree, and they both got ties here. Uh, Ren Baker at West Virginia, he would be my first call um, if I were in charge. Nobody has asked me. I don't get the feeling they will. Um, you know, but I don't know if he would take this. Um, he was at North Texas the last time Missouri was looking and was involved, and so that made sense. Well, now he's at a Power 5 school. He just moved his entire family a year and a half ago. There's obviously been some upheaval at West Virginia that I've had people out there say, hey, he wants to see this through, you know, after the Huggins deal and all that. So I, I don't know that he would take the job. Also, again, Sometimes familiarity is a good thing, and sometimes maybe it's not the best thing, right? Because if you're familiar with how things work at Missouri, this this little power struggle dynamic between the AD and the curators is not a new thing. I, I mean, I sat outside a curators meeting in 2006 waiting to see whether the result of it was Mike Anderson is the basketball co- coach or Mike Alden is no longer the athletic director. You know, so this has been going on for a minute in Columbia, and people who have been here know that. And... uh so that may not necessarily be a positive for some people. Now, you talk about Laird Beach, the second name. He's at Memphis right now. He was in the mix last time. He started his career under Mike Alden. 
went and worked for Learfield for a while. Obviously, a former K State football player, worked at K State, worked, I, I think he was at Texas at a time, at Florida. He's now the AD at Memphis, um, which has been somewhat of a farm system for Missouri. They've hired a lot of people from Memphis in the last few years. That's where actually they hired Ren Baker from uh, originally as well. So I think he would be in the mix. I would be surprised if the list gets past that. If you know, if indeed those are the the top candidates, um, I, there will be some other names thrown out there. Uh, you know, I, I don't really. I, I would think that, that Baker and Veach are are certainly in the mix and will be among the top group. And if, if Laird Veach is offered this job, I would would be very very surprised if he didn't take it. Um, it would be probably double his salary. It would put him, you know, in a power conference in one of the two conferences everybody wants to be in. Um, so I, I, that's kind of a no-brainer to me. Um, and then I guess your biggest worry down the road would be, hey, you know, what, what happens if, if Kansas State's AD, who is not a young man, decides to hang it up in the next few years? So you said something that uh, that just kind of stood out to me when you talked about the 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 dynamic of the board of curators and the coaches slash athletic department being kind of a long-running thing in Missouri. It strikes me that like you're talking about a board. That's not one person. Are they always Correct. this in lockstep where they're always this, this board of curators? They're always thinking along the same lines that because it seems like in order to have that kind of power over something like the athletic department, they kind of all got to be on the same page. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, like the Alden Anderson thing, I don't think they were all the same page. That's why we sat outside University mm. Hall while they argued about it for three or four hours. Uh, you know, um, they they seem to be in in pretty good uh, synergy at this point in time. I, and the weird thing is, is you know, a lot of us. And I, I was literally having a conversation with somebody on Sunday. It kind of seems like everybody at Missouri is finally pulling in the same direction. Mm. You know, and that's never really been the case. Well, apparently not. Uh, I was <laughs> I was incorrect. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so. Uh, it's, and look, I don't think this is super unusual, right? We've nope. heard stories like this all over in college athletics. It's happened to Texas, at A&M, at Auburn, at Florida. You know, it happens all over. But I think the disappointing part for Missouri fans is everything seemed to be going pretty well. And I understand basketball is awful this year, right? But this decision, and nothing about this is our basketball team's bad. we got to change it. That's, that's not good. So everything – Basketball was really good last year. Football was really good last year. Like the 2023 calendar year for Mizzou was the best they'd had in nine years. And so the disappointing part for fans is I don't think Desiree is the only person who can do this job. Uh, you know, they can, they can get somebody good, but it's always a risk if you change. If I'm a Missouri fan today, I'm disappointed that the the people in charge, and not this is not just the curators. This is on both sides. At some point, swallow your ego and look and say, this is going well, man. What if we just keep this going? And maybe maybe my ego has to take a back seat. And maybe I don't win every argument. Maybe I don't have as much power as I want to have. But everything's going pretty well. And we're in charge of an athletic department in the Southeastern Conference, which is, again, one of the two places you want to be. So let's just keep this rolling. And they couldn't do that. And, and I think that's... If I'm a Missouri fan, that that's the part that I look at and I just say, 
you know, what are, what are we doing here? Are we here for, for our own self-gratification, or are we here to actually have the athletic department run well? Is it bad news for Dennis Gates? It's not great news. Um, I mean, look, he's fine this year. No, nobody's going to come in and fire Dennis after one bad year. Um, but I think for him to lose his job after next season, if Desiree was still here, I think that takes another, like, you know, one and seventeen, eight and twenty-four type year. Um, I, I think, barring that, he would have been pretty much guaranteed another season. But now, the new coach coming in or a new AD coming in, I wonder what if he's thirteen and nineteen, fourteen and eighteen in that range next year. Kind of wonder what that does. Now, I actually just looked this up for something I, I put on our message board. I mean, his buyout at the end of next season is still seventeen point four million dollars. So. You know, that's that's a factor in the whole thing. Um, and, and hopefully, again, for Mizzou fans, hopefully, hey, this isn't a conversation we even have to worry about. Hopefully this recruiting class is good. He goes out and finds some guys in the portal. And we're talking about whether Missouri's going to make the NCAA tournament or not rather than whether they're going to fire the coach or not. Um, but, yeah, you'd, you'd always rather have your boss be the one that chose you uh, than, than be somebody else. Gabe, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon, I'm sure. All right, guys. Have a good one. That's Gabe Yarman from PowerMizzou.com. We'll be right back after this on WHP.